What you might not expect is as they become more comfortable with expressing themselves in that way, things shift in their business world, in their seemingly non-creative parts of their world. They become more open. They become more, well, they become more creative. Hello, I welcome you to another episode of Reaching Your Goals. Reaching Your Goals is hopefully your favorite career podcast where you get the insights to go from motion into action and make things happen. I'm your host, Johanna Herbst. I'm a certified executive and career coach and a management consultant with an MBA from NYU Stern School of Business. My mission is to inspire you to reach your goals, lead with kindness and have some fun along the way. This week, we will open the door to more creativity and find out what happens if you let the creativity in. I have the perfect guest for that. It's Dana Pivro. In our conversation, he will share with us how to let the creativity in. We will link it to purpose, talk about his, even talk about mine. There were so many nuggets that I took away from that conversation. So I hope very much you will enjoy it as well. Before we jump in, let me quickly introduce Dana to you. Dana P. Rowe might sound familiar if you are a musical lover, because Dana's first profession is being a composer and musical director whose work has been performed in New York, in London and all around the world. His off-Broadway musical, Zombie Prom, has reached cult status and was filmed starring RuPaul and Katie Mixon. He has written many other shows, including The Fix, The Witches of Eastwick, Brother Russia, to name just a few. Dana also co-authored a book with Dr. James Kaufman, whom we know from the show, called Lessons in Creativity from Musical Theatre Characters, which is scheduled to come out in December this year. On top of that, Dana is also a professional certified coach with the International Coaching Federation and works with arts professionals and professionals around the world and helps them to let creativity in. Dana currently resides with his husband in Provincetown in Massachusetts in the US. And now let's jump in. Dana, it's great to see you again. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great. It's so good to see you too, Hannah. Thank you for having me be your guest today. It's, it's an honor and a privilege. Let's see if you still say that by the end of our time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, to get things started, I like to start with rapid fire questions, short questions, short answers. You say that music is your first language. How would you describe music in three words? I only need one. Emotion. Love it. I read that you are a connoisseur of chocolate and peanut butter combinations. <laughs> yes, I am. What's one combination that everybody has to try? Do you mean in all things in life or just, you know? You know, I've never tried it. You never have? No, so I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> it, it's very sweet. It also can be sort of a nice combo of the peanut, you know, sort of savory, a little salty. There are many ways to experience it. I'd say the easiest way, and I'm not, I have no affiliation with this brand, is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And that was, of course, that's the gateway. That's the gateway drug for chocolate peanut butter combination. 
<laughs> what do you need to be at your best? Surprisingly, I need a good combination social interaction as well as alone time. And that gives me a nice balance in my life. You know, the, the alone time is when I sort of re recalibrate and re-energize and there's a different kind of energizing that happens when I'm with people and around people and collaborating. I, I, um, to be at my best, I'm, I think that I'm at my best when I'm collaborating with someone. Wow. And how would your family and friends describe you in one word? Curious. Yeah. I can see that in your, in everything I read about you. So I think it's all over there. <laughs> and I bet we will get to your curiosity. Who is one of your role models? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Just one? Feel free to name a few. Uh, I can name a few, and they were early on. They were early influence, people who had a, a great influence on my life, on the direction, you know, the, the, uh, the trajectory of my life. One was my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Martin, and the other was... Uh, Alta McDowell, who was my first piano teacher. So both of these women had really, really a strong, powerful impact on my life. I hope you will mention Miss Martin when we go to the key milestones of your life, because I heard that story before and I love it. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I think we need to get back to Miss Martin. You bet. You bet. Yes, yes. So it's a little cliffhanger right now. If you could have dinner with any famous person, dead or alive... Whom would you invite? I think that I would have to go with the late Stephen Sondheim. I would love to just sort of have a casual conversation with him. He was a great musical comedy composer and I think brilliant, uh, not only in his output for music and theater, but just the way his mind worked as a lyricist I find fascinating. And what is the most important quality in a leader? I think uh, having a balance of heart and strength or warmth and strength and vulnerability. So that, you know, that, that sort of combination there, not being afraid to be not the best person in the room or the smartest, perhaps. What is the best advice you've been given in your personal or in your professional life? That's, that's very good. Very good question. Be true to myself. You know, when I think about that, I think of different, different moments in my life. And one of them came from the late, great Bob Avian, who was the choreographer for many things, including Dreamgirls on Broadway and Miss Saigon and uh, many, many of the, the sort of seminal, what I would call the golden nuggets of Broadway And I was working with him, and one of his pieces of advice to me was uh, when I was sort of upset because I felt like they wanted music, they wanted me to write music for a portion of the show that I didn't feel belonged in the show. Yeah. And he just looked at me and he goes, Doll, just write them the best piece of music you can ever write. And he says, you know, make it just the best coming from you. And it was the best advice I ever got. You know, and of course, the moment was cut. You know, I don't know if you know how much you know about about theater, but in my mind, it was like they don't. This is so wrong-minded, you know. But he says, "No, just write them the best piece of music you could ever write." And I did, and 
by golly, I felt really good about the music, but at the same time, and I wrote it, it was true to me, but then later on, they did cut the moment, and so all was well. <laughs> wow. And you mentioned a Broadway and theater. What is your all-time favorite musical? Oh, I have to say I would have to go with Sweeney Todd at this point. I mean, there's a big revival on Broadway right now. It's one of the most joyful moments in my life was conducting a production of that show with Sweeney Todd. I just, again, it was written by Stephen Sondheim. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. I think it combines opera and sort of like macabre sort of sensibility. And it's just really great. How many times did you see it? That's a good question. I would be hard-pressed to give you an exact number. I, I mean, I conducted it a number of times. I certainly listened to it a lot in the recording. I didn't see that many productions of it, but I did see there was a great uh, video. They did a, a video version of it with Angela Lansbury uh, that is just not to be missed. It's, I think you can find it readily. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times. A lot. A lot, a lot. That's what I figured. And last question for the rapid fire. What is one thing we cannot Google about you? One thing you cannot Google about me? Yes. Tell us your secrets, please. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, I'm not sure that in Google you would find how much I love my family, my children, my grandchildren, and uh, my husband. Nice. Actually, I picked up on it on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> But it counts. Well, great. Well, good. Then I'm glad. Even though, does that count as Google? Oh, we'll see. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, now we know bits and pieces about you. There was already a mentioning of Miss Martin. Could you please share with us the key milestones that led you to where you are today? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it was circuitous at best. And, I, and I'm not even sure where I am today, Hannah. I believe that my whole life has been one of reinvention and redirection. And that curious thing, you know, that I mentioned earlier, it's both a blessing and a curse because I'm, I'm you know, always going in different directions and being and, and wholeheartedly so and passionately so. So how I got here how I got here from there, I would have to go back. One of the, one of the beginnings for me was uh, in, my, in my world, as a little boy, had trouble speaking. You know, actually, when you listen back to this today, you might also say that I still have trouble speaking. But back then, it was a real stutter. It was something... I think 80% cent do. Oh, do they? Okay, good. That's my learning. <laughs> I'll go with that, and I feel a lot, a lot more in the, the, the normalcy now, normal people. I had trouble with stuttering and uh, speaking in front of people. And what I could do was spend hours playing the piano and just felt completely comfortable there. And I would often just create my own stories from, from music, you know, and this, and when I read my books, even the picture books as a child, I would, I would uh, make up music to go with them. So in fourth grade, there came a, this time when we all needed to give oral book reports. And I tried once, and I couldn't get a word out. I, I always, I'm a voracious reader. I love reading. And so, but I couldn't get a word out. And of course, you know, 
kids in classrooms, they, they can be cruel. So they laughed and we all had a good time. And I went back to my little desk and you know, felt very defeated. We tried it yet again because it was once a month. We all had to do an oral book report once a month. That was the deal in fourth grade. We got the second time, no go. I uh, just did, couldn't, couldn't get a word out. I was just petrified. And, but in the interim, during indoor recesses, what I did do is in the big gymnasium, which was sort of an auditorium, they had a little piano in the corner. It was an old upright, and it was covered with a quilt. And I remember just finding my finding it one day. I went and I, I raised up the quilt and looked around, and all the other kids were playing Foursquare and Red Rover, Red Rover, and, you know, you name it, they were doing doing their things. But I was slightly introverted, and I remember raising it up and then just kind of plinking one of the keys, looking around. Then Mrs. Martin, actually, my teacher, discovered me sort of under the quilt playing the piano, <laughs> and, and she sort of pulled off the quilt. She goes, you can play that while you're here, Dana. That's fine. And so I would play music to make up, you know, make up music for the kids as they played. So the third time, actually the second time, I, I sort of struck out. Mrs. Martin came over to me at my oral book report. She said, Dana, next time you give an oral book report, why don't you make up music to go with the story? And, and I just remember looking up at her and going, can I? And she says, yes, you can. And so I did. And wow. what she did too was kind of special. The day of the book report, she filed us all, got, we all got stood in line because that's part of what you're learning in fourth grade is to stand, you know, in line with each other. And we filed into the multipurpose room and she pulled out the little old upright piano, took off the quilt, and she had me sit down and give my oral book report. And that was, I think, really, well, to this day, I mean, one of the things that I do is provide an emotional bed of music for the dramatic yes. moment. And I believe that she was a huge, huge part of that, you know. Did you ever get the chance to thank her? I have looked all over for Mrs. Martin. She and the school was the Scioto Trail Elementary School, which is no longer there in Columbus, Ohio. And I've, I've written to the Board of Education and tried to find and just have hit... Uh, I haven't found her. I'm not even sure Mrs. Martin is still with us, but she certainly is with me in my life, and she certainly directed my life in a very yes. positive, wonderful way. So then that was the start to get you in the world of music yeah. and emotions. And how, how did you get from the fourth grade to where you are today? Because there were, like, say, 20, 20, 30 years in between. Oh, just a few. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a number of decades. Oh, so always theater was interesting to me. Always mm -hmm. reading was interesting to me. Music, of course, was my first. I always say my first language because it was the way I expressed myself first. Went, continued to do theater as a child. And then decided to major in music in college, went and was a double, you know, piano and voice major, performance major, Indiana University. And then I went and had an internship in New York City and just went 
various different ways. I decided I wanted to be an opera coach, and that was, you know, to coach opera singers. And then I realized that, no, I missed the earthiness, the the kind of that yes. presence of theater. You know, it was different. Opera was different. It was beautiful pear-shaped tones. It was very studied, very exact. I liked the sort of messiness of theater, quite frankly. So I, I found myself going back to that in music directing, teaching, teaching voice. Uh, writing is something that I fell into because my voice students needed audition material, and often they needed 8 to 16 bars or something. And I was just, you know, pompous enough, or I don't know what you call it. You know, in my yes. mind, I was thinking, oh, wait, we can't find just 16 bars. Let me write you something. And then that developed into writing, and wow. one thing led to another. Boy, like I said, I mean, I, here I am. I'm coaching. I'm writing books with my, which is the reason I'm here. I'm writing with my dear friend, yes. James Kaufman. Our book, Lessons on Creativity for Musical Theater Characters. Like I said, I'm endlessly curious. I'm courageously curious. I very rarely do I stop and go, hey, should I do that? I just do it. Realize I can redirect you know, if, if something just falls apart. And have you ever had like your curiosity lead you in a direction that actually did fall apart? Always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, there's been many falling apart. Like even the internship in New York City and the, the sort of experiences I had there, it was like, oh, I here doing what I thought I wanted to do, and I'm realizing it is not as enjoyable to me as perhaps I thought it would be. So I'm going to redirect. I'm going to go, well, I've always been led by uh, where is my heart taking me, you know, and where, where, and how much sense does that make? So I'm practical as well as passion-led. And I get the feeling you're very optimistic. It's like, okay, this didn't work. I'd learned something. Now I stumble across something new. Absolutely, because there's always something to be learned. There's always something to take along with you. When I look at what I'm doing now, which is the, you know, the, the coaching with arts yes. professionals, I look at that and I kind of go, oh, all these years of... Uh, being a musical director, being a voice teacher, being a piano teacher, and then now intentionally being a coach and being certified to do that, doing that training, it all leads to this moment. So there was always something to pull from whatever experience I was having. And that, that to me is sort of the secret of it all. Now, when it's falling apart, when those things are happening, it's not always easy to see that. You know, I think in the middle of it. Yes, in hindsight, it's much easier. It's so much easier. Now I do find that in the middle of something, you know, whether it's a disappointment or, you know, being, not being certain about, some, you know, something, you know, that uncertainty in life that, that crops up daily. Now there's more of part of me that will go, this is going to work out. This is going to be fine. I have a I have a lovely friend who always says it all works out in the end. If it hasn't worked out yet, it's not the end. So it's mm -hmm. you know it's one of those things where you learn to be optimistic because of track you know just your experiences. Yes, and you brushed over being a coach. So when did you decide to become a coach on top of everything else? It was something that I found I showed up in that way. I mean, even collaborating, I believe that collaborating 
with someone else to create something artistic, whether it's a musical or a book, like I'm collaborating with James, who is one of your guests. It's a, it's a wonderful, I mean, we're coaching each other. We're encouraging each other to have uh, an open mind about something and to look at a different angle and maybe come up with something that wouldn't ordinarily have shown up. And so coaching to me was when I, when I realized there was such a thing and it wasn't necessarily vocal coaching for singers or acting or piano lessons, that kind of thing. No, I mean, I know you work with leaders. You help them yeah. to get their creativity out. So it's not even linked to music, partially what you're doing. No, but at the same time it is because <laughs> there's a, there's a, you know, to me, yes. I, because There's a, there's a way of sensing the emotion of a moment or where someone is in a moment. I think it's a kind of awareness. It, you know, there's a neuroscience to it. There's a brain state to being open, to being creative. And finding that in someone and opening that up is one of the most thrilling things. So becoming a certified or, you know, learning to be intentional about coaching, I think was really, really important to me, mainly because I just take such responsibility when I'm, when I'm working with yes. someone to me, that's a huge responsibility. It's a real honor to feel as if you're speaking into someone's life or able to help them have a better, more fulfilling life. And in coaching, we spend so much time helping people figuring out their purpose. What is your purpose here? Oh, wow. My purpose, you know, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. And it doesn't sound very highbrow, I'm afraid. Oh, but those are usually the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound all that advanced. I'm here to have a good time. And oh. I'm, I'm here to bring beauty into the world. And I'm here to support others in doing the same. Wow. Thank you for sharing. You were just mentioning that you are also working with professionals that are not, not with a, a creative background. So it could be lawyers, it could be bankers. How do you help them to let creativity into their lives? And what is the upside of that? Oh, it's, it's just the most exciting thing. I, first of all, many of those folks come to me because they feel like they're stuck in a rut. You know, they keep hitting their head against the wall. I want to do something that's creative. Well, you know, most of them don't realize that they actually are doing things that are very creative. And I think some of it is becoming aware of the, the actual natural creative parts of their lives and then sort of taking ownership of that and then also finding ways of expressing themselves that perhaps they didn't before. I mean, sometimes it's as easy as learning to journal first thing in the morning or finding the, you know, one of, one of my favorite sort of assignments is, you know, you need to find three songs or three videos or three moments in a movie that evoke some sort of visceral reaction from you whether it's oh wow you know uh this this a moment of heartfelt happiness you know or uh or sadness that will allow you to cry uh or something that maybe even makes you angry you know <laughs> but but that's the assignment so like to get 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 familiar with those parts of yourself that we often stuff and set aside what are your three songs 
Oh, I have I have a song I will share with you. And it, it never, <laughs> never, never fails. And I heard it the first time. And it's funny because it's considered a country song, which is not in my, you know, my world of, of being. But it's called Where Have You Been? And it's sung by Kathy Matea. I'm going to say the wrong thing now. Oh, yeah, Kathy Matea. I got it right. And, uh, yeah. And I heard it first in, in 1990, so 33 years ago. And the minute I heard it, I the story behind it well, just, just got me. And now if I need to have a good cry, because I think we all do from time to time. Sometimes we don't realize it, but sometimes we just need to process an emotion somewhere. Yes. That's a really good one to go to. You can find it on YouTube. It's right there. And I believe her husband wrote it. And for the longest time, she refused to record it or to sing it because she felt like she would never get through it without crying. It's a lovely story of love, you know. So when you are clients, when they are looking for, or they find those three songs, or it's like those um, scenes in a movie. So they are supposed then to look at them, listen to them, to really feel the emotion and let it out? Yeah, yeah, I Often, uh, and also to make sure they feel as if they're in a safe place to do that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because being vulnerable and open, as beautiful as it is, it's important to do that in an environment where you, you, know, you feel like you can safely do that. In a coaching, you know, we as coaches hold space yes. for our clients to have very intense emotions if they, if they need to or want to or are led to feel that. It's not all about that. I mean... Intense emotion could be great joy as well. It doesn't have to always be sadness or, or crying. No, I was also just thinking about a few songs that I like to hear when I'm running. And it's not sad. It's not angry. It's just pushing me. It's like, bam, yeah. like it has a certain rhythm and you, you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great for running and walking and that kind of thing. And there's Walking on Sunshine is another one. I, I forget who, who sang that. but Yeah, uh, I love that one. It's just so fun and up. It's hard not to be. Or Uptown Funk is another one. Just, oh, it just makes me want to, you know, just kind of get up and hop around. So those are really, really important. And one thing that I'm hearing there is this openness to let emotions in because I had this discussion so many times that there's still this understanding oh emotions they are not part of business leave them outside wow yeah no I know I to me that's huge because there's no such thing as leaving them outside it's going to be there somehow so finding a way to be with those parts of ourselves that we feel like we cannot be with is hugely important and there's a, there's a, forget the name of it, but it's sort of like it becoming immune, to, becoming used to it as, so that it's not so foreign to you to feel those yes. emotions or to acknowledge them. So having a fluency with that, having some familiar, making friends with those emotions. I mean, any time, this is a little bit of a tangent, I would imagine, but, you know, anytime something changes permanently in our lives, and if you live long enough, hopefully, if you live long enough, you're going to feel that happen. You're going to sense that happen. Every time there's something that changes permanently, we grieve. Yes. So acknowledging that, letting it happen in the moment uh, or taking a moment to let it happen is so hugely important. And when we now open the door towards emotion, what do you do next with the people, like with your clients? 
Oh, encourage them to find a way of expressing themselves uh, in, in a very, again, it's about safety, isn't it? It's about not, not doing it in a way that feels as if you're on display always. Yes. It's, it's sometimes just the thing that's between you and yourself. There are people who maybe are not writers. I will often say journal, you know, every morning to write three handwritten pages and or and or to put a time limit on it. Just just a stream of conscious. It doesn't have to be perfectly written. No one's ever going. You're not sharing it with anyone and you're not going to go back and read it yourself. Some people get so self-conscious with the writing I think it's a wonderful way. It's called a, you know, just get out all the things. And for me, the, the morning journaling is great because then if, if two or three days in a row, I'm writing the same thing that's coming to mind, it's like, oh, wow, I better change something. I better act on that. I better take action on this thing that keeps coming back or it's just going to keep rolling around in my head. So it's a great way to get those things out there. So finding a way to express yourself, even if it's privately like that, is a great start. For people who have trouble uh, getting going with the writing, one of my favorite things is just to pick up your smartphone. We, we all have a version of that today. And get the voice memo thing and do a voice journal. Do a three-minute voice journal every day. And these are things, like I said, that you don't expect to share with anyone and little tiny things make a huge, huge difference. Rather than saying, I want to write a book, say, I want to write 200 words a day. You know, being in love with, I call them process goals rather than outcome goals. So finding a way to be in process with your creativity is hugely helpful. Yeah, it's like you won't run a marathon after one week of training is not I, I don't think you will. <laughs> <laughs> I know I wouldn't. <laughs> you help people to get the permission to be creative. And when you see how your clients are changing along the coaching journey, how do they change? Like, what do you see happening there? Well, first of all, what's really what you wouldn't might not expect is as they become more comfortable with expressing themselves in that way, things shift in their business world in their seemingly non-creative parts of their world. They become more open. They become more, well, they become more creative, don't they? they? They start thinking of different ways of doing things, and they're more open to that. They find themselves getting along with one, you know, with their colleagues in a much more mm -hmm. amicable way. And that was also a really nice thing in the discussion that I had when I had James on. Like he, he said that the first thing is we need to work on being open and that is already a big thing because it doesn't come easy to everybody. And also you just become more aware of that. It opens yes. up more ideas to you. You know, coaching, we also do, you know, we, we love to help people reframe moments, you know, and I think that becomes more, you become more facile at doing that, even with finding solutions for problems or for, for, for moments in the work space, you become, it's easier to reframe it. Like, well, what if it were easy? What if we did do this mm. instead of that? And the one word that was just popping up for me was compassion. Oh, wow. Isn't that important? Uh, finding First of all, compassion for oneself is always the, the first step, 
right? Yes. And then, and then it's so surprising that once we are able to do that, then we can also find compassion for others so much easier. It's much easier to do. Because anybody who is trying to go down the creative road, it takes a lot of courage. A lot of courage because there are no promises. There are a couple of things that just popped up for me when you said that around creativity. First of all, demystifying it and making it into something enjoyable and something that is like, you know, I do this. I Whether I'm going to be good at it or not really is not as important as the doing and the the wonderful side effects of the doing, the, the self-esteem, you know, the feelings of well-being and joy really is joyful, you know, when you just kind of get past it and do it. I have the picture in mind of somebody who is really feeling stuck in their career, so not happy, knows something has to change and doesn't know where to go and then wants to get more creative but feels not feeling convinced that, you know, that that actually does make sense. And the person for sure is wasting time on his or her phone. Like, I think that's a given. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. And and actually, sometimes that's not a waste. It, there's a lot of judgment involved there, right? It's like, does this give them a chance to, like, recharge? I'll use my husband as an example. He's balancing, you know, several clients right now. So something I call it, you know, he's spinning a lot of plates right now. But every now and then, I'll catch out of the corner of my eye, he's playing a game on his phone. I believe that's hugely important, and that is what helps him balance everything else out. So most people think it has to be something huge and monumental and earth-shattering, and it's the little change that makes the most impact on our lives. The little change of, look, all right, so I'm, I'm 66 years old, so this was a number of years ago that Mrs. Martin said, next time why don't you make up music to go with your story, with the book? And that, you know, by the time it got to age 66, it made a monumental change in my life. So just one little positive change, you know, that just gets you a little out of the rut. And that's the thing, too, is when you redirect, if I start here and then I go five miles down the road, just a little to the left, that's going to be a big shift. I hear there the curiosity and for the curiosity I once read that you need to know a little bit about something to actually get curious. Like if you know nothing, you won't. And so I can totally see how the little changes are pushing and really opening a door to something you didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we don't know what we don't know, right? I mean, yes. what are the levels of learning, you know, those little changes help us find what it is we don't know about something or what's possible. I mean, just even knowing the possibilities is sometimes very inspiring. Exactly. I hear the inspiration. And you were mentioning a few things before. It's like you create the awareness, you become open, you grow your confidence. And like all those opportunities, they help you also to find your purpose eventually. I know you're the one asking questions. I'm going to turn it around no. for you. Please. So for you, what is your purpose? I always say making things happen with lots of energy, compassion, and a smile. That's how I phrase it. That's lovely. That's lovely. And so you're, you're doing that. And how does that make you feel? In the morning, I feel energized to get up. And I'm like, oh, I have to, today I have to do this, 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 this. And there's this energy I really want to. 
And if I look back to previous jobs, I didn't necessarily have that. I mean, now I also work for myself, so I find that already so inspirational and really going for things. So I can highly recommend that to anybody and everybody to really take a step back, look in the mirror, work with a coach to really go down on a road to more creativity, to openness, and really give it a chance because the process is the goal. What's lovely here is... You're also bringing up something that has become a little bit invisible to me, and that is all of a sudden you have this energy and this desire to do, where I think when we are closed off to those possibilities and to the, you know, following whatever it is where our heart is leading us and our mind is taking us and our curiosity is taking us, when we do that, all of a sudden there's this energy and a desire to do Whereas before, it's been a little bit of a slog because I'm working. But, you know, life doesn't have to feel like you're working. It should just be one big old adventure. And, yeah, yeah, it should just be joyous and adventurous and full of love and compassion for yourself and for others, right? I mean, that's, that's the true joy and meaning of life. What is your last advice for our listeners who really want to become more creative, who want to go down our creative road? I would say get in touch with the things that light you up, that make you forget time, that time is passing. What is that? Really get in touch with it. Is It could be reading. It could be listening to music. It could be walking. It could be hiking. Be aware of that. Be sensitive to the things that light you up and go toward that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think everybody has a homework now. I have three more questions. What is coming up next for you? I am continuing to work on Books with James, which is another chapter in my life. It's interesting. I wrote musicals and not that that's over. It's just that it seems to be I am shifting more into writing books uh, we are working on a cup, uh, another creativity book, as well as one that's kind of exciting. We just started working on, and it's about it's for families who have create who have children who are interested in theater, wow. and so it's sort of a combination. It will have some exercises for the families to do together, and coaching quest- type questions for the parents to. And so knowing what's possible, we just touched on it. Knowing what's possible is where you have the, the power, where you're empowered. And there's that. And, you know, surprisingly enough, I've always been a reader. I love reading. And so the whole thing about the oral book reports, very funny because all of a sudden now I am actually reading, I'm narrating audiobooks, which is something I love to do. So that's, that's another aspect of what's happening in my life as well as coaching. So but you have the perfect voice for that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I love it. I love it. And who else should I have on this show? I had trouble narrowing it down, but I, I can, I can tell you there are two people who came to mind immediately. One of them is a dear friend in Dusseldorf. Her name is Christina Gutierrez, and she is a uh, psychologist and she studies burnout and she recently did a TEDx talk on burnout and I 
delighted to connect you with Christina. She's that would be amazing. She's just a delight. And another wonderful human being, his name is Achim Nowak, and he lives in Miami, I believe. And he is an executive coach and wonderful leadership coach, as well as has a podcast of his own called My Fourth Act, which for folks of us of a certain age is incredibly inspiring because, you know, life just gets better and better. Oh, I like that. I like that. No, that would be wonderful if you could introduce me to both of them. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. You are the best. And for people who feel inspired, they can check out your website. It's Dana P. Rowe. They can find you and follow you on LinkedIn, on Instagram. How else can they stay in touch with you? Oh, I'm easy to get a hold of. I'm on all of those. Instagram, I'm on Facebook. And I, I would say LinkedIn, whatever, whatever feels most comfortable to them, I'm accessible. I, I, love, I love people. I think, I think that's another part of this whole thing is I've always loved doing people things. So. And that is really coming across. It's like there's so much compassion that is coming through the screen here. Oh, I love it. <laughs> wonderful. Thank you, Hannah. I appreciate that. So thank you so much for joining me today. That was a pleasure. And I hope we inspired people to allow themselves to be creative. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode and feel inspired to let more creativity in. See what happens. There's nothing to lose here. And don't forget to follow me on social at Reaching Your Goals Podcast and Delegate. You can subscribe to my newsletter at delegate.substack.com. And of course, if you have not yet left a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or in Spotify, please do so today. Hearing from you and getting your feedback, it means the world to me. And it helps me to spread the word about this show. So thank you. Thank you so much. With that, we are done for today. We are one step closer to reaching your goals. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.